Gator Nation and welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators, your team every day. I'm your host, Zach Albaverde, staff writer for the Lake City Reporter. What's up, Florida fans? Welcome into the latest edition of Locked On Gators in a busy weekend on campus at UF as Dan Mullen and his staff are scheduled to host several official visitors and Mike White and his basketball team will host the number one Baylor Bears on Saturday. On Monday's episode, we will bring you a bunch of post-game interviews from that matchup and we'll see how the Gators fared at home against another top five opponent. But on this episode, we're going to talk about Florida's biggest official visitor this weekend, and that is former Penn State wide receiver and former five-star recruit Justin Shorter. We will be joined by Tyler Donahue from Lions 247 to get some perspective on Shorter, how he became a five-star recruit in high school, and what type of player he was at Penn State. Here was my conversation with Tyler this week. We now welcome in Tyler Donahue from Lions 247 to discuss uh, Justin Shorter, the Penn State wide receiver who is making his official visit to Florida this weekend. Tyler's going to give us some perspective on Justin. He covered him as a recruit and also as a Nittany Lion. Tyler, welcome into Locked on Gators. Appreciate you joining us today, bud. Happy to do it, Zach. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Well, let's start with the decision that Justin made to leave Penn State because that's kind of where we're at right now. He's trying to find a new school and then you can kind of shed some light on him as a player and, and his recruitment. But talk about the decision that he made to leave Penn State and kind of how that was received in Happy Valley. Well, you know, the, the timing of it to start was a surprise. Uh, it was coming off of a, a three-catch performance against Ohio State. I know it doesn't sound like much, but that actually matched his career high in terms of catches in a game. And um, they had Rutgers coming up the next week. We're talking about a New Jersey kid uh, and – by the time they got to that next game, he was in the transfer portal. It was Thanksgiving week, and, um, you know, it, it was definitely, I think, a heartfelt as well, especially for guys who came in with him in that 2018 Penn State recruiting class. Uh, I think it's it's pretty easy to, to kind of point to that 2018 class as maybe the best Penn State has signed uh, in the league the last 15, 20 years probably. And, you know, they have ambitions together, and they want to accomplish a lot together. And Justin Shorter was a big part of that equation. He was the second-ranked guy in that class behind only Micah Parsons. And uh, I think, you know, the reality of him not being with them uh, for the final regular season game was tough. And, uh, and then down to the Cotton Bowl, I brought his name up to, to some of those teammates as well. And, um, you know, they, they respected his decision, but it, I don't think anyone was really seeing it coming. And, in fact, J.J. Hamler, who was the unquestioned leader of that receiver room, yeah, he point blank said that, that Shorter did not approach him about the, the issue before it popped up. I think K.J. Hamler learned about it the way we all did and when reports surfaced. Uh, so, you know, the timing was certainly rose from eyebrows, uh, and, and, you know, and, and that is what it is. Uh, but Justin Shorter, um, you know, he, he's a guy who I think, you know, had high aspirations for his career at Penn State. I can tell you, speaking to him just this past summer, he told me, looked me in the eyes, and said he wanted to be the Big Ten Freshman of the Year as a redshirt freshman. And uh, it just did not come together. I know we're going to talk about it in a moment. The production has not been there at the receiver position for Penn State the last couple of years since he's been on campus. But I would certainly say his exit, particularly the timing of it, uh, was a surprise. And, uh, and on, on top of that, um, he's been quiet. I mean, he's resurfaced here with a couple trips to Gainesville, this one upcoming. 
But aside from that, for a player who was a former five-star, a former number one recruit at his position, uh, Ben Yeo's very low-key in the transfer portal at the East Side. Tyler, before we talk about his high school recruitment, which you covered, let's talk about his recruitment right now. When he made the decision to leave Penn State, what were your expectations as to where he might end up? And, you know, how did you react to Florida kind of emerging as the team to beat? Well, naturally, you're going to think about, you know, big-time programs. I mean, this is a guy, again, he's, he's not far off the move from being down in Orlando, finishing his career. And you and I were both down there at the uh, Under Armour All-America game. And, you know, this kid had everything in front of him. Uh, there was comparisons to players like Julio Jones and, uh, you know, big-time college players. So I actually thought big-time college programs, whether it be down in the SEC, um, you know, a wild part here. And I think if with anybody from New Jersey who's looking to transfer, is the fact that Greg Schiano has resurfaced at Rutgers and, and re-energized that program. But that's a program that has a lot of building to do still. Um, I, I'm not surprised that it would be a team like Florida, you know, a team that a lot of folks are projecting to be in the top 10, top 5 next year. But at the same time, you know, I, I did have a, uh, you know, I didn't wonder, you know, what would his value be compared to what it was as a recruit because he's gone through a couple seasons. He has not established himself as a, as a player who was really a major impact guy in the Big Ten. Uh, he has not scored a touchdown at the college level. Um, so, you know, th- there are some, some questions about that. And, uh, and, and so I, I didn't have any doubt he would get interest, but um, I, I, I will say there was no connecting the dots to any particular school because it wasn't like he went down to the wire sack and it was like, man, I really love these three schools and now it's December and I got a decision and I guess I'm going to go Penn State even though I like these other two schools. This kid was locked up to Penn State before his junior year of high school and he didn't hear a peep out of him along the way to signing day for you know, for a long way. He was the longest standing member of that recruiting class in 2018. Never made a visit anywhere else. I'm sure he got plenty of interest because he blew up on the camp circuit uh, that summer before the signing period, but Again, it wasn't like there was anybody kind of, you know, waiting in the wings or left at the altar with his recruitment. I think in that case, maybe you could connect some dots. But, you know, as bad as, you know, if you told me LSU popped up, I would have believed you. If you had told me uh, Ohio State popped up, I would have believed you. And it just happens that, that Florida might be the fifth. You actually covered the first game of his junior season, and you mentioned the commitment to Penn State. What did you think of him when you first saw him as a prospect, and what was it like to see him shoot up the recruiting rankings and become a five-star prospect? I mean, he the way he was set up in, in high school, he was a lot more aggressive on the camp circuit than he was on the football field. And, and, and I want to qualify that by saying he was in a very run-heavy offense uh, at Scott Brunswick High School. If you go back and look at his statistics, uh, you would say, well, you know, well, that's tricky. And, and you and I both know it's tricky to evaluate the receiver position, tight end position, because pass targets aren't always there at the high school level. Sometimes you make that leap, and, and it's a different ballgame in college. But Justin Shorter, he was playing safety. He was returning kicks. He was playing some wildcat quarterback. When I saw him, uh, you know, he ended up winning the state championship his senior year. Uh, he caught a touchdown in the state championship game. And But when I saw him in the spring and the summer of 2017, and, and that's when he really trajectory started pointing off, and I saw him at multiple camps. Uh, he was at the opening finals. He, he was, you know, the, a first-team guy out there. Um, you know, and, and, and he just was pretty unstoppable in a one-on-one set. We're talking about a guy who was at that point, you know, right around six foot four, pushing six foot four, probably already 220 plus pounds. I, you know, this year he was 230 plus pounds. So that's 
difficult for really any high school cornerback. I don't care how good you are to deal with. But what I liked about Justin at that level was he was just smooth. I mean, you've seen it. There's a lot of guys who have length, they have size, they carry that weight well at wide receiver. But they're a little clunky. They're not quite coordinated. He was pretty smooth. And, and I mean, and, and everybody saw it. It wasn't like I was out there saying, is everybody saying this? You know, when I first started following him, I think he was maybe barely in the top 200 uh, in composite rankings. And by the end of our process, he was a top 10 guy. He was the number one wide receiver in the country. Um, you know, and in retrospect, it, it was pretty remarkable to observe. But I can't say that it wasn't deserved. Yeah, you know, it has to come to fruition for him now through a couple of years at the college level. But um, I think hindsight being 2020, it's always easy to question those things. He looked every bit the part at that point. He went out uh, and did it on a huge stage at the opening. I've seen guys uh, who, who get a lot of accolades at the high school level who go out to the opening and they face elite opponents and guys who are kind of talking smack. And uh, there's a lot of toss out there, a lot of future NFL players. And some guys shrink up and they shrivel and they're not ready for the moment. Justin Sutter was. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of thought that lent itself well to what he may become at Penn State. Um, but, but yeah, it was uh, it was quite an ascension. I think if you look back at, at, at recent years, nothing really comes to mind for me, especially at a high-profile position like wide receiver. We know how many elites now are gravitating toward that spot in the field. To see a guy, you know, make that kind of jump in a matter of a year was really impressive. And again, he never went in on the commitment. He was Penn State all the way. He wasn't a rah-rah class leader kind of guy, but he was all in, and, and that never changed despite a lot of attention that was building up for him. Now, you've talked a lot, obviously, about his ability on the field. You also got to know him and his family pretty well off the field. Can you talk about maybe the type of guy that he is and, and getting to know his parents through the recruiting process and maybe kind of what they're looking for right now as they try to find him a new school. Well, I think Justin Shoulders, you know, like a guy who you know, he, he, he doesn't speak a lot on, on that kind of stuff. And you know, and he, he's a guy I would kind of, I, I, I'm cautious about using the word introverted, but you know, he's kind of got that, that quiet demeanor to him, which, which is a little bit surprising for someone who has that kind of high profile and, um, you know, the social media following and, and people praising this kid at every step of the way throughout, you know, the latter stages of his high school career and the expectations he encountered. Even when we talked last summer on the practice field, you know, he kind of had a, a year where Penn State put all the true freshmen away from the media. So it was kind of a, a reintroduction to Dustin. And he was really the same guy. Uh, he had big ambitions for himself, but he, he was he's a, he's a quiet kid for the most part. He's got a, a low-key demeanor. Um, and I think what's really important to him is, uh, you know, uh, he's a guy who definitely will lean on his parents and, and will lean on his dad and uh, lean on his family. There's some recruits out there that, that, you know, they'll go against their family's wishes at every turn of the recruiting process. This is not that situation. You get the sense that, uh, you know, they, they, they huddle up together, they make decisions together. Penn State was the early choice. Um, and everything I gather about him is that, you know, academically high priority in high school for him as well. That was never any kind of issue, and you know, really a, a classy kid for the most part. Um, you know, I'd never heard anyone say a, a bad word about Justin Shorter or personality. I can tell you, every time I reached out to have a conversation with him uh, during his recruitment, he, he was very well mannered. He was always uh, polite if he couldn't speak, and uh, you know, you know, not everybody's like that, as you well know. So uh, I can tell you that that I think it's going to be a decision made with the Shorter family, not just with Justin. Uh, it's going to everybody buying into to his next step um but but really at the end of the day uh, an impressive 
nice young man. Um, I think maybe he's still looking for a mean streak on the football field. Uh, you know, he, he said that confidence was something that he gradually built up at the high school level, and he kind of felt he hit the reset button when he got into the Big Ten, and, and he admitted last summer that you know, confidence was he for him. I don't know where he is there. He's turned the corner. He had, had some moments this year, but again, um, you know, he, he, he just didn't take that step on the football field. So I think I've always thought with Justin that if he found his groove and put together two or three games, strung them together where he was consistently involved and, and kind of getting that momentum, that, that it would take off from there. And I still believe that may be the case, even if it isn't at Penn State. Speaking with Tyler Donahue from Lions 247, final thing on, on Justin before we touch on some other topics, can you just speak some more to maybe what went wrong with him at Penn State now that there's been some few weeks to kind of digest his decision and speak to some people about his reasons for, for leaving and maybe what is it going to take for whatever school that he ends up at, if it's Florida, for him to maybe get on the right track and have the type of production that everybody was expecting from him? I mean, first off, he earned the starting job coming out of training camp you know, this year uh, in 2019. And that's something because it was the first year wide receivers coach who pretty much uh, reshuffled the deck and said, go win a job. KJ Hammer's got a starting job. Everybody else is going to fight for one. And uh, so Justin ended up beating out Daniel George, who was a blue chip recruit in the same recruiting class. Um, and, you know, early on, I think it was the first possession of Penn State season opener. They targeted him twice. And, and I thought, that's a statement from Penn State. Now, that's them trying to say, we're going to assert Justin's order. We're going to establish a foundation moving forward here as a redshirt freshman. Um, and it just didn't happen. It just did not happen, Zach. And the target went there. I mean, overall, with Sean Clifford as a first-year starter, uh, the targets were, were very heavily to KJ Hamill among that wide receiver group. Him and KJ have a long-standing friendship, relationship. I'm not sure where Sean Clifford's trust was with the, with the other receivers. Um, and beyond Pat Fryer, there's no one caught the ball, you know, more than twice per game on average in the state offensive attack in 2019. And quite frankly, receiver has been an issue for this team. The first year I covered Penn State in 2017, they had four guys throw for 50-plus catches, and that was Joe Moorhead last year there as offensive coordinator. The last three years combined, one 50-yard receiver, a one 50-catch guy, I should say, that was KJ Hamler this year. They didn't have a single guy go for 50 catches last year. Um, and, and, and that's alarming. I think in the, in the long run, it, it certainly jeopardized their relationship with Julian Fleming. There was a time when Julian Fleming, who a lot of people will tell you is the number one overall prospect in the 2020 class, certainly the number one wide receiver prospect, he seemed like a slam dunk for Penn State two years ago when, when he was halfway through high school. And by the end of it, he was all Buckeyes. And he'll be coming back to Beaver Stadium in a different uniform. And, uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a problem position for Penn State. There's a lot going right for the Nittany Lions, but they just hired their fourth receivers coach in a four-year span a couple of years ago. We'll get to why they did that in a moment, but they hired the running back coach and then shifted him to wide receiver coach. Um, it was a disaster in the end. Uh, and then, you know, this past year, they brought in Jared Parker. I think he brought a lot of enthusiasm to that room. We didn't really see a lot of tangible results. There were fewer drafts, but the production wasn't necessarily there. And now Jared Parker is one of the co-offensive coordinators of West Virginia. So he was one and done. Uh, they just brought in Miami's old receiver, uh, Taylor, uh, Taylor Stubblefield. And uh, he's a guy that people are counting on to, to maybe turn this room around. And Justin Shorter was there. And, you know, KJ Hamler is on now. And here's what I really need to know about the receiver situation, Zach. This year, Jahan Dotson, he's probably the only 
plug-and-play starter that you can predict for for 2020 at Penn State. He has 40 career college catches. No one else on this current roster has more than a dozen catches in their college career. And only one guy good, that was K.J. Hamler. So it's not like they lost three, four receivers. I think the whole series that Chuck Sharaka coming from Minnesota as a play caller is going to reignite that, that situation in the passing attack and get Sean Clifford distributing the ball. Minnesota produced two 1,100-yard receivers last year. They both caught 11 touchdowns. And I think there also was a thought here that, hey, maybe Justin Shorter will you know, poke his head back at Penn State and say, all right, there's a new situation. Can I get a fresh start here? Um, I, I don't anticipate that happening, but, again, it, it, it's been an issue. And, and you know, maybe Justin Shorter – if Justin Shorter goes to a place like Florida and, and starts to light it up and Julian Fleming is lighting it up at Ohio State, uh, there's going to be a lot of what-ifs uh, discussed here at Penn State. Speaking of all those reasons that went into his decision, I think that makes sense why Florida is so appealing coming off the year that they did where they just had – so many wide receivers that got touches and, and Kyle Trask was just distributing the ball and, and they probably as a passing attack look really attractive to Shorter. So that makes a lot of sense and we'll see how his official visit plays out this weekend. I do want to ask you of a popular name here in Gainesville, Florida, Tyler. And uh, that is Juwan Sider, who is now at Penn State after serving as the running back coach at Florida and once Dan Allen came, he initially kept Sider on staff, kind of reshuffled some things. He brought in Greg Knox, and Sider made the decision to leave. And there are still some Florida fans that are upset that he's gone, especially when it comes to recruiting and, and the ability that he showed there. Can you just talk about how James Franklin was able to get him to come to Happy Valley and what he's been able to do since he joined the staff? Yes, he's a popular name in Gainesville. He's a very, very, very popular name in Happy Valley. The fans love this guy. Uh, they look at what he's done on the recruiting show. They look at his personality from, from, from what they gather. And you, know, you and I spoke before the podcast. I've been nothing sort of impressed by J1 Center every step of the way since he took this job back in January of 2018. And uh, he has spoken routinely about how happy he is here, how happy his family is his son played for the local high school team. His son was a walk-on last year with the Penn State football program as a freshman. Um, and, and nothing tells you that he's not enjoying himself. Now, obviously, he's going to have career aspirations down the road. But you know, right, that, right now, I think you look at the running back room, it was a tricky situation in a good way for Penn State this year. Now, they lost Miles Sanders, who was the bell cow during J1 Slater's first year. He got very much the bulk of the touches before him, Saquon Barkley got very much the bulk of the touches, of course. But this year, they had a four-man rotation going into the season. By the end of the year, Journey Brown, who really came around as a running back, I don't think anybody thought he could look at as complete of a running back as he was. He was a track star in high school who played against questionable competition. You know, Now he's kind of a buzzy name in the offseason across college football as a guy on the ride. He went for 200-plus yards rushing in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, and then Noah Kane. I mean, Noah Kane is not at Penn State if J. Juan Sider's not at Penn State. He's a guy that was down at IMG Academy. He's a name that you know well. I'm sure Florida Gators fans are familiar with Noah Kane as well. Uh, all he did his freshman year, despite missing the entire month of November with an ankle injury, was break the all-time record for freshman rushing touchdowns at Penn State. And, again, that was J. Juan Sider. J. Juan Sider is the one who delivered that scholarship within a couple weeks of him getting hired. Jay Wan Sutter was the one who helped seal the deal with his family uh, and got him on board and got him enrolled early. And 
they've got another enroll, early enrollee here that, that people are talking about, Keziah Holmes. And he's out of Cocoa, Florida, and Jay Wan Slater spearheaded that effort. And they got Kevon Lee, another four-star running back, coming in in June. Jay Wan Slater spearheaded that effort. And, and I think it speaks to who he is and the personality that he has. He's got everybody on board. I mean, I just said they have a four-man running back rotation. That was Noah Kane, former top 100 recruit. Uh, that was Journey Brown, who was the only exception as a former three-star recruit. But they had Ricky Slade, who was a five-star guy in 2018. And they had Devin Ford, who was a top 100 recruit in the 2019 class. So those four guys on campus, no word that anybody's transferring. Everybody seems on board after the Cotton Bowl. These guys look like the closest of friends talking about how they can't wait to go do it again in 2020. Meanwhile, they're bringing in two more blue-chip prospects to that running back room. So there's not a lot of coaches who can juggle – that situation and Daywan Slater has proven he can. So I think the way he has been able to massage some of these personalities, uh, you know, hammer home that they're going to put together the right recipe to get these guys to the NFL and not just get them to the NFL, but maybe get them to the NFL without taking on a lot of tread. Uh, you know, not not pounding them over the course of three years with a bunch of areas. Miles Sanders is a perfect example of that. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he manages the room moving forward, but. What he's been capable of doing, you know, John Dunmore is a name that I know Florida Gators are familiar with. He was committed to the Gators. Uh, he's a guy who's expected to rise up in that receiver room this year. And, and again, Jay One Slater gets a major tip of the cap for him being around. So uh, he's down to Florida right now as far as I understand. I know he was down there earlier in the week with a couple of other assistant coaches. And uh, he, he is, uh, I feel like he's a BMOC at, at a lot of the high schools he checks in down in Florida. And with Penn State, as far away as they are, uh, can, can have that kind of extended presence and, and, and cultivate that where there's talent everywhere down in Florida, that's huge. And, and he is, is at the crux of that conversation. So for all the Florida fans hoping that one day he might return to Gainesville, you would tell them not to hold their breath? I mean, hey, I, I wouldn't tell anybody not to expect anything in college football. I mean, money talks. We, we don't know what his aspirations are, um, you know, in terms of wanting to be, maybe be a play caller, running his show carousel and even this past offseason Florida State came heavily after him. What are your expectations as to how long he could remain at Penn State and, and what might it take for a school to pull him away or would it be something like an NFL job? You know, he has experience at the NFL level. He was the wide receiver coach for the Green Bay Packers. He's got a lot of connections through the league, of course. And, um, you know, you always wonder um, if a coach wants to make that leap. I think what James Franklin does so well that wouldn't necessarily try to bring them together for, for the course of 16 games and, and make it work. But I, I think at the college level, as long as he keeps doing what he's been doing at Penn State, uh, you know, there's always going to be uh, December uh, where, where someone services. A couple of years ago with Texas A&M before they ended up with, with Jimbo Fisher. It feels like for the last 24 months, Southern Cal has been the team everyone's pointing to. Maybe that will pop up again. 
uh, next year. I, I do think there is something to be said about James Franklin's personality and how that may match up pretty well with, with, with Hollywood and with Los Angeles. But he is a Pennsylvania guy, um, yeah, and he's quick to point that out as often as he can. I think the big thing for him is that Penn State needs to keep coming to the bargaining table with the resources that he will require. You know, he's going to want the facility upgrade. He's going to want, um, you know, locker room upgrades, recruiting upgrades. I think perhaps more important than anything, he's going to want that cash in the bank to pay assistant coaches like Jay Wan Sider. You can avoid guys leaving for lateral moves to other Power 5 programs that have more monetary ability because maybe they have more boosters or they have guys writing big-time checks that aren't being written here. So I think that's always going to be part of the discussion. But the last, the latest we have on that is that Florida State charged hard, didn't end up in Tallahassee, but he did end up with a contract extension. Yeah, and and just like the Gators, he had a special on HBO. <laughs> yes, that's right. He he said he didn't like that, and I mean he couldn't say he didn't like that. Well, Penn State definitely maximized the situation. They knew exactly where those cameras were. I, I, I'm fairly certain the same thing played out for Florida staff as well. Tyler, we appreciate you so much for joining us and uh, sharing so much perspective on Justin Shorter and certainly the guy that Gator fans are still talking about despite the years removed from his job here. But I think everybody knows what James Franklin is capable of from the wins that he was able to get at Vanderbilt and uh, definitely a really exciting program that you're covering there, and you're doing a great job of it, man. I appreciate it. And I will just say that if Justin Shorter does end up in a Gators uniform, he, he is a guy that – I will always have a ton of really interest for it. And I, I, I do want to stress, really impressive young man as a recruit. And, and I've seen guys who, the big change, when, when the fame starts to come and the rankings start to rise, uh, they change who they are. Didn't see that from Justin Shorter. So uh, I'd like to see him, whether it's a first or he ends up circling back to Penn State, hoping that he, he gets his career on track because he's got everything you need to, to get to the NFL and make a lot of money doing this thing. That'll do it for the latest edition of Locked on Gators. Appreciate Tyler joining us to give us a ton of insight on Justin Shorter. On Monday's show, we will recap how that visit weekend went for the Gators, as well as their matchup with the number one Baylor Bears. Make sure you stay tuned to Locked on Gators, your team every day. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Gators is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Gator fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Gator fans in a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you.